Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. You know, my next guest is someone that uh, I have appreciated his friendship for years and years and also his leadership. Dr. Albert Moeller Jr. has been called one of America's most influential evangelicals and the reigning intellectual of the evangelical movement that comes from time.com. He's president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary at Louisville, Kentucky. He writes a very important blog and regular commentary is available as well at albertmoeller.com. And he has two different podcasts. One is The Briefing and Thinking in Public. And by the way, you can get those delivered to your mailbox. He's authored so many books, including We Cannot Be Silent and The Prayer That Turns the World Upside Down, has appeared in many publications as well as many on-air cable programs. And with that, he's going to be talking a little bit about his brand new book, Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, The Explosive Power of Jesus' Parables, Dr. Mueller, good to have you back on the Bill Bunkley Show. Bill, as always, uh, great to be with you. Well, you know, the parables are just absolutely intriguing, fantastic, and I have enjoyed uh, reading your um, your renewal in me in terms of the parables. You know, as, uh, as someone that heads a seminary, a, a professor, if you will, you know, it's one thing to go to a lecture and you get all the facts about Jesus that you want, but it's something else that if it's wrapped around a story and wrapped around uh, something that deals with the current environment, you get a lot more engagement. Talk about that because that's at the root of this wonderful method that Jesus used in communicating, well, is the parable. Yeah, Bill, you know, uh, it's it's said in scripture that jesus hardly ever spoke that he didn't use a parable and what's interesting is is that uh, the parables are a distinctive form of literature so jesus is he's drawing on uh, the kinds of stories that no doubt were told by rabbis and and moms and dads and grandparents and others but uh, but jesus transformed that story into the most explosive form and uh, the new testament is full of them and in particular the the uh, the gospels of matthew mark and luke and uh, Matthew, in particular, gives them a central role in the uh, in in what we come to understand as the teaching ministry of Jesus. And we tend to kind of underestimate what the parables are. The parables aren't just sweet little stories; they are they are explosive. When we look at the parables, you have written about it early in your volume, as well as the Bible speaks to it. When Jesus was speaking the parables. Not everybody understood the parables, and in fact, oftentimes, he would talk about a parable in public, uh, and then he would explain it later to his inner circle when uh, they were with themselves later in the evening. Talk about the fact that even today, many of us get frustrated with the culture that we live in. It seems like their eyes are blinded, and it seems like their ears are plugged up. Well, we're told that that's the case. Talk about that. Really interesting, Bill. You know, uh, Jesus was asked, why do you speak to them in parables? And, and not by the crowd uh, who came to hear the parables, but by his disciples. They were confused by what Jesus was doing. And uh, that you can find that in Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus' response is itself explosive. 
He says, I tell them these parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. And uh, he says, uh, so I speak to them in parables so that seeing that uh, that seeing they may see and hearing they may understand. And so the parables break through where uh, other kinds of statements don't. Now, that's all within the context of the sovereignty of God, as Jesus made very clear in that same chapter uh, in Matthew chapter 13. But it's just fascinating that, uh, that the disciples were perplexed by why Jesus spoke in parables. Why don't you just say it straight out? Why, why do you tell them a story? And, you know, Bill, I think the, the genius of the story is, first of all, and we understand this, story, stories uh, sneak up on us. And, uh, you know, stories stay with us. You hear the story of the prodigal son, as, as we most often refer to it. Once you hear that story, you cannot forget it. Now, there's more to the explosion in that parable, because... It turns out that uh, Jesus turned that parable back on the very people who were criticizing him. But the, the point is, there are certain stories that once heard can't ever be unheard again, and Jesus knew that, perfected that. When you hear a parable, you begin to think about it, and you begin to unpack it. And I'd like to ask you, because for our veteran Christians that are listening today, they have been exposed to the parables, some of them three or four or five decades. It's so easy in the parables, as well as any other passage of Scripture, to just sort of read it, ho-hum, I've heard it 10,000 times before, but not to meditate. How? Why is it important to go back and really meditate on some of these parables, especially if you've heard them over and over and over again? It's a great question, Bill, and I think uh, we just have to immerse ourselves in Scripture over and over again. And Jesus himself talked about, uh, you know, someone going in and finding treasures old and new. In other words, if, if we think we've worn out the Bible, then then the problem is uh, is in us, not in the, the Scripture as the living, breathing Word of God. Uh, it's going to break forth new every single time it's read, every single time it's preached, every single time it's taught. And, uh, you know, the parables of Jesus are just especially that way. And, uh, you know, I've preached these parables for decades, and then I wrote this book. It's a pretty big book on the parables. And, uh, and, and you know, I discovered new things about the parables all in the process of writing that book, even though I preached all those parables numerous times. And then I'm still learning about the parables after the book's published. That's just the way it works with the Word of God, not just with the, with the parables, but the, the parables illustrate that, I think, very powerfully. Hmm. You know, we have uh, certainly a lot of Christians that, uh, quite frankly, instead of operating under grace, they tend to operate under judgment, or they have judgment. And some of our, our Christian friends that we would like to see take the next step, they're all about grace for themselves and judgment for everyone else. But let's talk about this idea that you write about, about judgment and grace, because if you're going to walk around with a bullhorn, like all of us have seen, so disgusting at sports events by people yelling at uh, unsaved people that you're a heathen, you're going to go to hell, or you start banging your Bible uh, over somebody's head, no one's going to be open to that sort of in-your-face judgment. But you know how delicate Jesus was because... He had no choice to tell the truth because everything he did, everything his father did, everything we read in Scripture is is uh, with with complete truth. But at the same time, the parables allow him to sort of put judgment on the table as, as not the main thing. 
But then before someone just gets hung up on the judgment, then you see later on in the parable the idea about forgiveness and grace. And as you point out, it's in every parable. Talk about this strategy. Well, you know, uh, New Testament scholars looking at the parables have often tried to divide them into the what they we call the parables of grace and the parables of judgment. The problem with that is is that grace and judgment are in every one of the parables, just as you said. And, uh, you know, the judgment surely there. And as a matter of fact, some of the most biting statements Jesus said, some of the most incredible statements of divine wrath and divine judgment and the righteousness of God's judgment, they are found right there in the parables. But Jesus did not tell the parables, um, hoping that people would not hear them. But uh, but knowing that some would hear them. And so there's grace in every parable. You know, the, the one that I, I hold out is the example that helps us to see this most of all, is, uh, is the most memorable parable from Luke chapter 15, probably the most memorable parable that most people even remember. And that's what we call the parable of the prodigal son. And, uh, and that's not the best way to put it, by the way. It's, it's actually about two sons, and, and that's where it gets really interesting. Because the first son identifies the prodigal son. He's the one who disobeys, rebels, uh, treats his father horribly, and goes off into a foreign country. He loses all of his money and then comes back to his father. And this is such a picture of sin and then redemption, response to grace. As he comes back to his father and he says, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. But, you know, the father receives him as a son. And that's just a glorious picture of the redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a glorious picture of our need, every one of us. All we like sheep have gone astray, uh, and, and each one has turned to his own way. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all the prodigal. We're all the rebel. And uh, we all need uh, the, the grace of the Father who says, well, despite your sin, because of my son who died on the cross, you are my son, you are my daughter. But that's not where the parable ends. The parable continues with the second son, and there is no grace described about the second son. He is upset when the father receives the younger son back. And, uh, you know, the father's judgment to that son is he says, you've always been with me. And, and basically, you never acted like a son. And it's, the, it's in resisting grace. Well, Jesus was really clear about God's judgment on that. So I just I don't want to preach the parable here, as tempting as that is. It's just to say that in every one of the parables, there is judgment. But the grace is the same found all throughout the Scriptures, which is, if you repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Dr. Muller, when you uh, sort of, uh, if you were to write down all the parables and the subject matter of the parables, when you take that 30,000-foot view uh, on the, the parables as a whole, it's amazing that if one were to understand and adhere to each one of those parables, in Jesus' ministry, by the time he was ready to go to the cross, he absolutely covered just about every important aspect of life and relationship to the Father and to himself, didn't he? He did. You know, there's a lot more to the teaching of Jesus, because we also need what are called his didactic passages, where he, he lays out, for instance, doctrine. And, and uh, you know, if you think of one gospel in which that's most clear, it'd be the Gospel of John. Not so many parables did the Gospel of John. And and that's because the Holy Spirit knew we needed four gospels. And, uh, and, and so, you know, the Gospel of John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and so... You, we need both, 
But uh, it's really interesting that in the parables of Jesus, as especially found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus lays down basic principles of discipleship. But, you know, they were meant to be stories that exploded. And so we actually need the positive preaching of the gospel. In other words, just hearing a parable, people need to hear more of the gospel to know how to respond. But the parable mm. gets the attention, and, uh, and that's why Jesus used them, and that's why we can't get them out of our minds. And you know, Dr. Mueller, I think about, I want you to comment on where we're at with Christianity with Christianity in America, because uh, number one, if we knew the parables and were willing to share Jesus, those same parables can be intriguing today as one develops a relationship first to sort of earn the right to then share the gospel. Uh, but at the same time, you've been called and you're entrusted uh, with a, a school of higher learning for the men and women who will carry the gospel forth in the future. Or we're hearing about church attendance. We're hearing about people leaving the church. Great, huge deception by Satan and, and lies. So where are we at in America? Are, are we are we like destined to follow the example of, of Europe, which is almost like the Dark Ages today? You know, in in one sense, as a part of uh, Western civilization in decline and in revolt, we can't separate ourselves entirely. But still, the United States is a separate is a separate story, uh, not not uh, in entirety. But uh, but we are a nation that doesn't drag every bit of the baggage of previous centuries uh, into our our current history. So as you look at much of Europe. You know, you think about the French Revolution, so different than the American Revolution, very different result. And that's one of the reasons why France has had, like, five different constitutional systems in a shorter amount of time than the U.S. has been under our Constitution. But all this is imperiled in a secular age, Bill, and in an age of revolt. And unfortunately, the secular elites in this country are determined to follow the example of Europe. That's what they want. And uh, and so we, we've got a, a real challenge before us. So... Talk about sharing parables. How can these parables be personalized to us today and to incorporate that? Uh, hopefully more and more people every day are becoming intentional, not only about looking for those gospel opportunities, those gospel potential conversations during the day, but also hopefully if they're still smart enough to be doing what is the main thing, and that is at least discipling a person in their life. How could they use these parables? You know, that's why I wrote the book, Bill. My hope is uh, that, that people will simply read the parables, study the parables. I hope preachers will preach the parables and teachers will teach the parables. And yet, in personal conversation, the parables are just a natural touchstone. And, uh, you know, if you're trying to share the gospel with someone, encourage them to look at one of the parables of Jesus and then talk to you about it. And, you know, we don't have to personalize it. The Holy Spirit will do that. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit will use the parables as the Holy Spirit does to call people to Christ, to, to pull them to Christ. And, uh, and then if you're discipling someone, what a wonderful way to get at so many of the deep truths of the gospel uh, directly through the parables of, of Jesus. And, uh, you know, you can't exhaust them. You just, you just simply can't. The Christian church can never out-preach them until Jesus comes. And uh, there's going to be something new in every reading and preaching of the parables until Jesus comes. Hmm. So, Dr. Moeller, tell us a little bit. I'm very, very well familiar with Thinking in Public and the briefing. Tell us a little bit about your morning podcasts. 
Um, and especially uh, the one I like is, is the briefing because, of course, because of what God's called me to do. Talk about those two podcasts and how folks can uh, get uh, on the list to receive those. Yeah, thank you, Bill. You know, I started doing uh, national radio years ago, did a, did a program, Drive Time. And uh, uh, the problem for me was I had to travel just to other responsibilities far too much. And it just made being in a studio uh, very, very difficult on, on, on many days. But the podcasting revolution began, and so I switched, and the Lord has just really blessed it. So every morning, Monday through Friday, uh, you know, I release uh, about a 25-minute program, which is a biblical analysis of world events, a, a, a daily analysis of world uh, of news and events through a Christian worldview, is what we say. So today I'm really looking at three different dimensions of uh, modern controversy over sex education that yes. just burst onto the headlines uh, in response to the uh, Dobbs decision. And I just want to use the opportunity to remind Christians, but especially Christian parents, man, you have this job, and you've got to protect your children from the onslaught that's coming. So they can go to albertmuller.com or their favorite uh, podcast platform, uh, whether it be Spotify or you know Apple or anything else, and uh, they will find uh, the briefing uh, with Albert Muller. And I sure appreciate you asking. Well, I tell you what. Me and a lot of my colleagues are involved in Tallahassee from uh, the defending of uh, and the promoting of our Christian values and worldview. I can tell you that uh, the briefing and thinking in public is uh, is one of the standard fares of the day. Hey, but uh, get your copy of Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, the Explosive Power of Jesus' Parables. Take a fresh look, fresh perspective. Incorporate it to how you are sharing the Gospels with others. And we're all out of time, but as always, Dr. Muller, pleasure to have you with us, and best wishes to everyone there at uh, Southern Seminary. Thank you, Bill. I'm so thankful to you and your listeners. Thankful for all you do in Tallahassee and Tampa and beyond. God bless you. We'll see you soon, my friend. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.